where we get our power, our authority, our control, our identity. So much of that for men comes from their workplace. So we tend to take way too much of our personal energy and put it into that work. And what gets left getting the, the crumbs is the stuff at home, the stuff that really matters. Welcome to the Fully Alive Man Podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. I am here with my co-host, Leroy Rogers, the director of men's groups at North Point Community Church. And the clip you just heard is from our guest today, Benj Miller, who is a proven entrepreneur who's uh, focused on character and culture and innovation in all the businesses he's been a part of. He started his first company 15 years ago as a strategist and visionary behind Syrup Marketing, where he's landed hundreds of brands for clients and also seven additional companies of his own over the past years. He has been married to Erica for almost 20 years. He's got four kids. And one thing that is common in this guy, Binge, is that he has a passion for creating amazing organizational culture that pours into people, that develops and sustains them. And we brought him on because he does that in his companies. But today, we're going to be talking about how to do that in our families, in our wives, in our kids, in our house because that is the world that matters most to us, more than our business. So what are the principles of leadership and culture that Binge has learned in the marketplace and in his businesses? And how do we transfer those into our homes as men, as husbands, and as fathers? Guys, we have the opportunity to lean in and to not be passive in the area that matters most. And today's podcast is invaluable as we dive into this. I'm I'm pretty excited, Lee. Clearly, that was the most important introduction I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I, I just was on a roll. I just yeah, felt like I was it, going. It was beautiful. I loved it. Should we actually pull the guy in now? And let's do it. Where is he? Binge, welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. Thanks, guys. I am fully alive being here. Your beard is fully alive. I, think, I feel I more have fully alive that, being near that beard. I feel emasculated. It is one of the most beautiful beards I've ever seen in my life. I truly feel like if you divided it into three and we each took a part, we'd all <laughs> feel better. God, and, and, since you can't see the, the visual of the beauty of this beard, it's probably six, seven inches beneath the chin. And it's got like four or five strong gray threads going down through it. They're named Cables. for each of my children. It's yeah. <laughs> amazing. That's awesome. Um, hey, before we jump in, let me ask a little bit more of a, a lighthearted question that may, sort of came to me with the idea of having someone who is a serial entrepreneur with us Come today. On. So here's the question. If you could start just the most fun business you could possibly think of, mm. What would that be? Like you think of the, like um, you've thought of a business and you're like, how do those guys even make money? I don't care. It must be fun to do that. What would that business be? Well, I'll give you the cliche answer and then I'll give you the personal answer. Cause I think the cliche answer is where I would go. I'm like, I'm going to go open a scuba hut somewhere yeah. Oh, yeah. in the Caribbean. That's right. Um, Fantastic. Because if I could do that every day, that'd be awesome. Um, the other thing that I would answer that with, and is a conversation that my wife and I just had, where we realized that 
fun is not really something that we highly value, um, which sounds awful and I would love yeah. to change it, but like, uh, we're both pretty intense people. Yeah. So it's almost like, um, if, if we're having, we struggle to have fun because fun means we're not doing something else, uh, which is just not for everybody. Sure. And we, we could use some growth in that area, but I'm probably not going to go for just the fun option. Yeah. All right. We'll take that. I'm going to be a fly fishing guide. Like those those guys out West, Montana, Wyoming, they got their little drift boat and their Toyota Tacoma and they just hop around and get their little fee for service for the day. A couple hundred bucks, take people fly fishing. Yeah. That's a pretty good life. I think for me, I would, if I didn't have to work there all the time, I think it would be fun to have like a pizza place. Just like the whole family could work there. You make pizzas, you make it, you know, fun for, I don't know, kids and I don't know, games and fun. That would be, that sounds like fun that to me. That sounds fun. I want to do a pizza place. Turner would so do, Chuck e. Cheese. do work. <laughs> but not Chuck E. Cheese. You're going to franchise a Chuck E. Cheese. Congratulations, <laughs> Lee. Um, so here's a different question along the lines. Yeah. I was thinking culture in the workplace environments. Uh, what has been the worst, weirdest kind of like, painful like workplace memory you have of like mandatory fun time or like meeting or something where you just think of office episodes and you're like oh oh yeah do y'all does something come to mind for y'all well what comes to mind for me immediately is i when i worked for a a very large well very large semi-large architecture firm and it was like birthday cake time in the conference room (laughs) for like the monthly we're acknowledging the monthly birthdays it was just the most pointless weirdest just trying just awful that's office space yeah it's real it reminds me of that jim gaffigan quote like hey it's it's uh it's uh, Jimmy's birthday. Ah, I hate that guy. There's cake. <laughs> <laughs> There's cake. Ah, I should say something. <laughs> it's like, it's all just about the cake. I, I think about 10 years ago, I worked in a mental health facility in a small rural town in North Carolina. So it was a bunch of professional counselors um, who, there's about 30 people. There's like three guys and 27 women. And one of them, I think back uh, to this, we were having a baby shower for oh one gosh. of the ladies but it was kind of like office baby. I've never been to a baby shower in my life. I don't Nor think should you I shouldn't been. ever be to one, That's but it was correct. like this mandatory weird where it was like, I'm like one guy in there with one other guy and like 12 women trying to be like, Hey, let's do baby games. Ooing and eyeing over baby clothes. Oh, just painful. And it's like <laughs> mandatory, like from two to three o'clock, clear Brutal. your calendar. We're going to do this thing. But so I went into it and I was like, I'm going to dominate these baby games. <laughs> so I won like three out of four. And by the time I was like, I love baby showers. Let's do this. And I just made it a competition. That's it was amazing. Yeah. But it was awkward. That's the next level. <laughs> Bench, what do you got? I cannot top that. But I had a boss who would turn every corporate event into his uh, time to tell stories and be the center of attention through the uh, storytelling. Boo. Um, and the worst you, you would have to pay attention and you would have to like pretend yeah. to laugh. And I, the worst was him telling about how his like inner thighs got so chafed at Disney. <laughs> um, and, but yet he had to keep walking and, uh, and somehow he put on lotion and had these white shorts that the lotion came through. And it's this super is like awkward seared and, in your brain. Oh, of all was, the yes, memories. Yes. It's very I'm, vivid is this traumatic memory. I am a visual person and am disturbed just by hearing about it. <laughs> oh, and this was a couple hour story. So <laughs> there were a lot of details. Oh, so great. Oh, that's horrible. So, 
we have all been a part of organizations where, and there's a lot of money and consultants and books out there that talk about organizational culture and health and, and habits and values. And binge uh, is really helped us in different environments here at North Point, um, kind of as a consultant to talk about value and organizational culture and strategy and marketing. Um, but binge, one thing uh, we've become really close friends. And one thing that you have been an example for me personally is your intentionality. This, the same intentionality you bring into the businesses that you start, you bring into your home, into your friendships, into your relationship with Erica, with the kids. Your degree of intentionality makes me feel lazy as a man. And so we thought it'd be cool to get you in here and go, okay, we know the things that matter most are relationships, our home life, our time with our wives and our kids. And we have this like 20 year window of parenting that ends up being the focus when we're 80 or 90 and on our deathbed that most of our regrets and I wish and I should have all happen around relationships with our wives and kids. It's the most important thing, but we spend so much time with books and conferences focusing on thriving and intentionality at work and what we do professionally, but that's so backwards from what wisdom says we should be spending the time talking about and focus on. So as the Fully Alive Man podcast, we are going to right the wrongs of the balance of that in the universe and at least spend 30 minutes talking about how we add and build intentionality into our homes. And so why do we even need to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, I think it becomes a default. It, it also becomes, um, you know, we only have so much energy as human beings. So yeah. we we divvy that up and we get such a, um, you know, if we go back to the, these lies and we go back to the garden at the beginning of man, God said, hey, uh, sorry you sinned. I still love you. I'm going to redeem you someday. In the meantime, you're going to have to labor and it's going to be hard. So this this workplace part of it being hard for us to labor means that we are constantly battling our own identity through our work mm. that is part of the toil of of working the garden so to speak in that metaphor so what where we get our power our authority our control our identity so much of that for men comes from their workplace so we tend to to take way too much of our personal energy and put it into that work and what gets left getting the the crumbs is the stuff at home the stuff that really matters so what really matters gets the crumbs and most of our time and energy to overcome that passivity with intentionality we spend at the workplace and so it gets the crumbs of our energy and it gets the crumbs of our focus and energy to build intentionality and strategy yeah the other thing that that happens is we tend to feel like we're competent at work huh. where uh, we, we've done this before. We've proven it. It's a little bit safe. Um, I can just, you know, man up and get through that at home. There's a sense of like, I've never been in this stage of a father before. Mm. I've never had kids this age. I don't, you know, I, I don't exactly know what to do. Um, and we're, we tend to be very passive with our wives. Um, there's lots of layers that we dance around or, or create a dance that isn't quite safe for either person, but we just learn this safe dance. Uh, and it really is a result of, of both partners being passive. Man, Jeez, that really huge. reminds me of the um, podcast we did a few episodes back, just the idea of being the spiritual leader in the home. 
when we don't even most of the time even know what that expectation looks like. Man, that 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 principle of since we don't know what that expectation looks like, therefore we feel incompetent and everything's new. Every year of every kid and every every season with our wife, it's new. So we feel incompetent. Then our natural response to that is taking the safe way. And that's what passivity means. That, that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. You start to play not to lose instead of playing to win. That's good. All right. That's it for the fully. <laughs> that's so good. So we're going to play not to lose instead of to win. And this is the thing that matters most. And we're directing all of our energy to the thing that it, we feel more competent in and is more a source of identity, which is intentionality, culture, strategy at work, which you've done incredibly at the companies you run. You're an outlier to me, though, because your intentionality shows a degree of energy to me that um, has spilled over with prioritizing your home and your wife and your kids has that always been the case for you? Have you just, did you wake up as a five-year-old like uber intentional in every aspect of your life? Uh, definitely not. Huh. I think um, there was a defining moment for me when I was about five years into my business. Uh, when I started my business, I really didn't intend to start a business. I went out kind of freelance consulting and that grew and grew. And Were you married at the time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was married and we, the the business that had grown had a great year. And at the end of the year, uh, just marketplace conditions, we just hit a wall. I ran up debt too quickly. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing because I was never setting out with the intentionality of running a business and what does that look like? Hmm. And, um, it was through that journey that I, I realized I had three options. I could fold it all up and get a job like a normal human being. I could scale it way back to one or two people and, and just have a nice, you know, my own job that I controlled my own little world. And, mm -hmm. or I could learn what it looks like to run a business. And it was through that process and through some of the, the learning through the books, through the coaching that I got through that season that I learned what it looked like in a business. And then since then have been able to apply that to other areas. So that spilled into your intentionality levels with Erica and with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of it comes down to, to reverse engineering. So uh -huh. what is the outcome that I want? What is the vision that I'm trying to create here? We don't raise kids in our households. We ra raise 30 year old people. Huh. I don't want to have kids forever. I want to launch them well. And so okay. people come over to our house and they're crazy amazed that our six year old packs their own lunch for school the next day. Our four year old packs their own lunch for school the next day. And people are like, well, we don't, we still, you know, wipe their butts. And we're like, no, okay, you can do that, but you can do that when they're 18. Like, why not train them early? Yeah. So if you know that you want to launch 13 year old healthy children, you've got to build a plan to have and create that. And so how are we going to build into their spirit, build into their character? You know, what do we value for them um, in their lives? What are we willing to sacrifice that the rest of culture is telling us is really, really important? Which aspects of that are we going to tell our kids? That's not important to our family. Okay, Bench, hold on. This principle of reverse engineering, it sounds like is a pretty key principle to that led to your intentionality. Now, is, is this a transferable perspective that works just with your kids of a 30-year-old? Or is this business, wife, kids? Tell me more about what this looks like of reverse engineering. Well, I think you know, I'm constantly looking at 
a few things that do come from my business perspective is do we have a clear vision for where we're going that that leads back to the 30 year old and and with my wife and i we have a clear vision of what we want our marriage to be and then second do we have a path to get there is there a plan are we meeting adequate progress and traction against that plan and then third are we healthy along the way Hmm. Um, because you can sacrifice health for traction um, but that's that doesn't meet your end game of the vision. So it's those together. And part of that is um, almost, you know, people talk about culture, right? What is culture? Culture is the values you have as a family. It's the environment that you create. And then it's the shared habits that you have together. So those principles in your business, you transfer into your family, and then you build a plan that now you're just executing that plan based on this vision. Yeah. Uh, we even, we, it's kind of a joke among friends, but we even have a giant chalkboard in our hallway. That's a scoreboard for our family. And every, every Sunday night we rally around it and tally up our points and see how we did against our goal. And at the end of the month, there's, there's prizes, there's consequences, there's pats on the back. Um, All right. We better take a break because I'm about to fire off about 10 questions just (laughs) off your scoreboard of what this actually looks like in your wife, in your kids, and in your family. But first, we need to take a little break and do a section we like to call Man Hacks. All right, Lee, a man hack is a tip or a trick to help you guys become better men. What you got? This little tip came to me recently, so I wrote it down to share with our valuable listeners. If you get, ever get to it, what is this? Is this must through, be bad. If you are flipping through, <laughs> I don't think the Bible's bad, but this is about the Bible. Oh, great! If you're flipping, Stepped Jesus juked. <laughs> if you are flipping through the Bible and you always get uh, some of the books out of order, all the Galatians, if you the small letters that are all packed together. Yep. Little accurate, a little a little phrase I always remember: God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians—they're all jammed there together. God eats popcorn has been in my head forever. We very intentionally <laughs> teach our children: God eats popcorn. You'll never get them out of order again because they're easy to skip. They're all jammed in there, all together. God eats popcorn. Enjoy. You're welcome, Manhack. <laughs> All right. What do you got for I'll us? I'll receive that and not talk trash about your uh, Bible man hack. Uh, here's what I've got, guys. If you're like me and uh, you hit that point at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you're exhausted, it's either you're going to take your second or your eighth cup of coffee to make it through that post-lunch lull, 20 push-ups. 20 That's it. Push-ups. Just close the door, do 20 push-ups, 40 push-ups, 10 push-ups, whatever. Do some push-ups. You're good to go. Forget a power nap, forget a coffee, just do push-ups, guys. It brings you back That's to your life. man hack. That's, That's right. I do push-ups uh, all the time, mid-afternoon. That's my little pick-me-up to make it through the day. Binge, do you have a man hack for us? Sure. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I started using an app called Blinkist. 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 It's kind of like Cliff Notes. Yeah. Um, so it's a collection of books that you can read or listen to. Mm. Um, and so for a while I had a streak going of a book a day. Um, wow. And, uh, I was, I, I, I was staring at my nightstand in the stack of books that I had that have been yeah. accumulating and growing instead of shrinking and wondering how I was going to get through them. And I went looking for cliff notes to say, just, just give me the, the good stuff. And if there's more that I want to dig into, yeah. I'll go dig in. Absolutely. Um, so I've been able to crush some books this year. How, how, do, how do I spell that? 
I think it's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist. I love, love it. Love it. We all have that stack on our bedside table. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed this section we like to call <laughs> Man Hacks. Okay, Binge, before uh, the section of Man Hacks, you started talking about a scoreboard in your hallway to grade yourself as a family uh, in order to have... A vision that leads to a plan and stay healthy. In order to stay healthy, you have to have culture, which is values, environments, and habits. Right? Am I right? I'm trying to learn. That's it. Uh, So then this resulted in you having a scoreboard for your family. Yeah. What in the world are you talking about? And what does this look like? Uh, Well, um, I didn't go all out and create an LCD screen. That was driven off a computer yet, but <laughs> I don't feel like you're trying. <laughs> we, uh, it's, it, it really goes back to the habits we want to create and, and getting traction, um, toward our vision. So there's individual things on there. Our kids mark the days that they get their chores done. This okay. creates some accountability. They've got, they know what their chores are. They've got sheets for that. Um, but it, it stops us from being the judge and jury and following them around and ask them if they're done They're They either mark it or they don't, they get to the end of the week. They may have done their chores, but if they didn't mark it, they don't get credit for them. Which okay. We'll dock their pay. Um, Eric and I right now we're, we're in a, a physical fitness, um, season where we are, um, counting our macros. So did we hit our macros for the day? And, um, what are macros? Uh, your macros are your ratio to carbs, protein, and fats okay. in your diet. It's good. Set I mean, to a I certain that, number of calories. Yeah. For the, for Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. For other I, people listening. I don't make it past micros. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, number of times we would work out and then we have shared family goals on there as well. So, uh, these tend to shift a lot, um, cause we've, we're trying out different stuff. Sometimes it's based on, is everybody memorizing a certain scripture? That's the Jesus juke most Love one. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have on the scoreboard, I hope our kids don't listen to this to understand our motives, but we have on their uh, date nights. So that works out in two ways. One day a week, three of the kids go to bed a little bit early Mm -hmm. and one of the kids gets to stay up late and they get a date night with mom or dad. And we're going to spend an hour together just with just one kid. They love that time. They cherish that time. That's the best way we found to do date nights. But if the other kids, three kids go to bed on time and stay in bed to give us that date night, then that's how that point happens. The the date night happened and they enabled it. So now they're bought in and have a role to play in each other's date nights. Um, and then, uh, we are a couple that right now has sex on the calendar. So we give them the same point. They know mommy and daddy have date night tonight. They don't know what that means. So I don't (laughs) tell them about this podcast. Um, so if they go to bed and don't come out, then now they're playing a role in our date night as well. They get a point for that. And they're not traumatized. It's a double win. That's extra points. Right. (laughs) Pretty sure. Right. (laughs) Triple the points. Okay. So you've got a scorecard. You, you mentioned traction. What, What do you mean by that? Uh, traction's just, um, are, are we maintaining adequate progress toward our goal? Do, okay. we, do we have the tools? Do we have the cadence? Do we have what we need to, to keep moving forward toward that vision? So a scoreboard, you have to have goals that you're working towards yeah. in order to build traction towards a y- ultimate Yeah, goal. that's that's the measuring it. The, the scoreboard also helps create the, the culture because it, the if the culture is this collection of habits, then as a habit, we're learning scripture. As a habit, we take care of our own responsibilities with our chores. As a habit, we have date nights. So 
So you mentioned values, environments, and habits. Yeah. The scoreboard captures habits yep. that you want to instill into your family in order to have a healthy culture. The same way as you would a business. Yep. Okay, so tell me about values. Like company values, like North Point has values uh, as an organization to help shape our culture. Do you have those for your family? We do. Uh, and we tend to, we, we, I've always had very strict rules for the business, how you create uh, great values. Okay. Uh, we try and make them verbs. We try and have a definition because what I think of a definition of a word might not be the same as you. So let's have a common definition. Let's have a litmus test. What's one sentence I can use to test my alignment to that. Okay. Um, in our family, we took a different approach because we were dealing with younger children. So we took phrases like Under Armour's uh, motto of you must protect this house. You remember that campaign? Yep. So that, that became the value of, of purity for our kids. They don't know the word purity like I did in middle school, you know, church youth group, but they know you must protect this house. Mm -hmm. And they know that means what they put in their eyes and their, and, and what they let into their mind and their thoughts. And I can use that as a talking point for lots of different conversations when they want to go to a over a friend's house. And I said, what do you need to remember tonight? They look at me and say, I must protect this house. All right, so on. not that I'm going to steal any more other than that one, but do you have any others that you... <laughs> yeah. Um, um, we talk about People Are Awesome, which is a YouTube channel that shows all, all these awesome stunts, but we use it to talk about diversity. We talk, talk about religion. We talk about um, not comparing ourselves to other people. Okay. That, um, they may be awesome, but you're awesome too, and it's not the same. Yep. Um, we talk about be a gentleman. Um, I have not changed that for my daughter yet, but... Um, we, that's uh, another way of um, getting into what it looks like to own your masculinity or your femininity. Um, play it forward. Much of what we're talking about today. Hmm. Um, you know, if, if I do this, what does that look like down the road? If I make this decision, what does that, you know, mean for me a year from now or 10 years from now? What does this decision do? Um, you know, if I spend this dollar on this pack of gum and then next month I want the cool $10 toy. Am I yep. going to have it or not? So just teaching him, um, uh, it's, it's called second level thinking. What are, what are the ramifications of my thoughts and decisions? That is awesome. Fantastic. So, so you've got values, you've got these, how, how many should, uh, I have theoretically, less if is I need more, to do this, less is more. If I was doing it in a perfect world, I've, I'd have four. Okay. Uh, we ended up with six almost on accident and the, the be a gentleman I've, I've started to roll under people are awesome conversation. So we're kind of down to five. Gotcha. Are, then, are those part of the scoreboard or that's part of the thinking in the conversation? That's the thinking in the conversation. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, we have them, we have them posted around the house a couple of places. And uh, the last three summers when we've gone away for a week, I've taken a day a week when the littlest ones are down for their nap. I take the big ones and we have, I sit them down and uh we take one of them a day and break it down. What does that mean? What does it look like? And it's great because they're growing. So their context of that is growing, but also I can introduce new ideas based on where they're at in their, in their evolution um, to mature the same idea that the started as a, as a yeah. toddler idea becomes this really big mature idea. At this moment, I'm going to extrovert a feeling of not feeling insecure or like a failure for all of you guys listening that might be feeling this, yeah. we can Appreciate start the these honesty. things now, steal these kind of steal this intentionality and practicality and build it into our our families. And it is not there's no better 
time. You are right on time than to be able to start this now. And, and I made it all up too. And it was like, I just have to do something and not everything we've done has worked and the scoreboards changed over and over, but, but I couldn't not do something. That's right. And so there was, there is no perfect, but we have to, you know, go take our best swing at it. How do you keep the scoreboard from becoming just about the scoreboard? Well, um, (laughs) or is it okay for a while? I think it's okay. Um, number one, we tie basically compensation to it. So their allowance is sure. tied to it. So uh, it is more than just a, sure. a scorecard. Uh, and there's big prizes. If um, the shared goals that we have, once they hit a certain number, we'll go celebrate. So yeah. ice cream or yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, but it's also, um, I'm a big fan of reality. And so a scoreboard is a, is a tangible way to articulate reality. That's good. And it, it, we all try to build in habits and traditions. It sounds like just a tool to help us actually do that. To and pick it, which habits and traditions we want to instill and then be able to track them with accountability. And if you think about your role in the workplace, we all want to know, how am I doing at the things that matter? We crave that feedback. And and a scoreboard's right. a piece of that. And to some degree, I'm, I'm speaking for myself personally, I, I hide from what I'm not doing well and don't want to see a scoreboard. Yeah. And so if I want to live in the real, yeah, the scoreboard is a huge factor. Okay, so in order to have a healthy culture behind a plan and a vision through reverse engineering, the third part under value, uh, under culture is value, habits, and environment. Yeah. What about environment? What does that mean in the home? Well, if you know, culture, if you think about it, you think about a Petri dish. Okay. You know, um, and, and cultures grow in a Petri dish. That's the environment. So if we want to create an environment that that honors fun yep. and play, uh, then we can't demand that our house be in perfect order 24-7. Yep. So gotcha. uh, it, it, it could also be the music that's playing in the background. You know, we create this soundtrack of our life and we get to, we get to choose what the soundtrack of our kids' lives is. So you could build a wall for axe throwing and knife throwing in your backyard or something done that (laughs) (laughs) hypothetical (laughs) hypothetical the uh so that's environment you're gonna go hey we want to live a life of adventure per our value and therefore i'm going to build an axe throwing wall and buy a bunch of throwing knives for my kids yep well and that's good too i mean just even what you said you know make sense of what you're doing if if uh, if we have a value of fun then you know, we don't have a bunch of breakable stuff in our living room. Right. It just wouldn't make sense. Right. Yeah. This whole conversation is so inspiring to me. The tension I feel is this is weighty. This is overwhelming. So if I'm in a men's group and a married group and we're listening to this podcast and I go into my group and I'm like, yo, I listen to this podcast. I want to do better at prioritizing culture, a healthy culture in my home through habits and environments and, and values I'm overwhelmed. What do I do? What questions should I talk about with other guys in a group in order to take a step towards adding intentionality instead of passivity in my home? I, I've got two good questions and they're at odds to each other. Come so, on. so just understand that, that they are in attention. And as you figure them out, they will, they'll counter each other and they'll both kind of grow in unison. Um, the first is actually the hardest. Okay. It was the hardest for me anyway. And that's answering the question, what do I actually want? Hmm. That's uh, the end in mind reverse engineer. It is. It is. And um, it's some of these things, especially I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor in the formative years of my life. And um, 
I think I got so much of like sacrifice yourself that I didn't allow myself to even answer that question. What do I want? And some things, um, you know, some people are going to say, Hey, I want a boat Mm -hmm. and they're going to feel guilty about that. Or I want whatever. But, um, I don't think the desires that God puts in us are wrong. I think they just are. Mm -hmm. And some people are going to have a a desire that says, I want to raise children that come home on holiday and bring their kids. And, you know, there's a generational mindset to that. And, and I want a wife that can't wait to spend time with me after our last kid goes to high school. Yes. Oh, to college. oh yeah. Amazing. Because that's such a huge issue. So yes, exactly. When you, when you start to articulate those desires, whether, whether they're uh, materialistic or whether they are altruistic, short term or long term, short term or long term, but answer the question, what do I really want? That's the first stand against passivity is huh. what do I really want? And then second, particularly with our wives, our kids, the things that matter most, because a boat's nice. I mean, I really want a Harley in 10 years, but right, right. Yeah. But I want, I I way more want a wife that wants to hang out with me. Yeah. When the last kid goes to college. But there aren't, um, also like, I think that's some of the freedom of not trying to put a, a value level on your desires of one being more holy than the other. Like just put them all out there and see what happens. Yeah, just I think is one not is, right or wrong. I think one is more holy actually. <laughs> I, I agree with Finch. you, but there's, there's already but it so mean much. You don't want the other thing. Yeah. I'm trying to overcome the, the shame or the guilt that we're actually allowed to have desire. That's good. That's fair. The, the second question is what can I start doing right now that I know will move me toward whatever that is that I huh. want? Because there's, there are, there are, Big, what do I want is a big question. Some people can get there easier. Some people will get, you know, two things, but they'll know there's 10 things on their list. But along the way, there's things that we know we should be doing uh, that are going to, it's going to move us that direction. We don't know what that destination is yet, but we know we can start moving that direction. So what can I start doing in my life now that I know is going to move me that direction? For example, what's coming to mind is that I can land the plane on some values with my wife. Because if I can clarify some high level values for what we want our family to look like, then I can build habits and go, okay, what are the habits that would lead us to that? And then what kind of environment would we want to create also that aligns with those values? So I would set a date with Emily and right now try to land the plane on those values. It'd be huge. And then as a guys group or a married group, we can say, okay, what does this mean for me personally? What faith step is God inviting me to take? What am I going to do about it? And then how can we help? So then guys in my men's group could go, Hey, did you do that date yet? What are they? Well, and I think even before that, um, a guy can be asking, Hey, where do I want to be as a man in this amount of time? And who are the guys I need to surround myself with to get there? You know, it's kind of that, it's, a, it's the vision and the pathway, the same thing, but we have to think about that even in Gosh. the context of doing life better. Man, if we did groups, all these things as a group of men, come on, because we're, we're going to be the culmination of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. And if we're doing life with other guys and we hold each other accountable, all the listeners are going to do this. Come on, y'all. Well, here, here's the thing. I love this as a, as a community aspect and part of it, part of the, the collectiveness, um, is there is the accountability, but accountability, thanks to your podcast, Lee, is 
has got mixed emotions tied to mm-hmm. it. Um, so much of our accountability goes back to the actions. Did you do this, 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 this? That's right. But great accountability goes to the why, goes to the who do you want to be, goes to that yes. end destination, that vision. And Pulls if we, you forward. If we, yes, exactly. Yeah. Back to your podcast. You did a great job with that. I loved it. And and if, if this is the perfect ec- uh, exercise to live that out. That's right. Gosh, that's awesome. Guys, okay, we got to wrap this up. I want to keep going. Binge, we like to ask our guests a few questions. So first question, what are you reading right now that it has been inspiring, intriguing? The Cure. Yes. Come on. I'm lying. Robbie's been trying to get me to read that for you so long. You haven't read The Cure? I haven't read The Cure. I, he reminds me of it every single day. Is it day. not on Blinkist? It's, it's only 100 it, pages long. It is not on Blinkist. <laughs> it is a Blinkist. It is not. I, you shouldn't joke about that. I'm going to start over. Binge. I, no, I'm, go, I'm, I'm committing it to you right now on national radio. <laughs> this, this is That's live, amazing. right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, second question we like to ask is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? You know, uh, back to being raised in church, uh, th- this is, I'm going to say this cause it's maybe the most recent moment that I've had, mm. um, you know, being raised in church for the first time at 40 years old, somebody, uh, a month ago was talking and they said that man's original sin in the garden was choosing Eve over God. Mm. And that hit me like a sword to the chest. And at 20 years old, I got married. And I think if I had understood that, there are ways that I would have been much healthier in my marriage, in my relationship with Erica along so the way. Good. It's the next podcast, boys. That's All really right. good. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Binge. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to leave you guys with a couple minutes in a segment of wisdom from our friend John Woodall that we like to call Wisdom from the Woods. Some of you guys know that my wife Debbie and I have been through a very difficult season uh, the last few years with the death of a grandson, the divorce of our son, and some division in our family. It's been a very tough season. And so in the season, we have gone and sought help from an expert, a grief counselor, somebody that's been excellent. And we were in one of the meetings with him, and um, I was in a tough place. I think I was probably in either a low-grade, medium-grade state of depression. And the counselor turned to Debbie and said, is this the first that you've seen this in John? And she said, no. It's not the first, but it is the worst. And I was listening, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. She went on to say, I often feel like I live around John and not with him. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but when you're hearing words like that, especially come from a woman, your wife, uh, your lover that you're close to, those are not easy words to hear. Um, But because one of my values is I want to be a student and I want to be curious and I want to say, tell me more. When I asked her, tell me more, she said, well, I feel like um, you have a bubble around you. And I bump into this bubble quite often. On the front side, I'm met with resistance and you saying no. And then I come around the other side of this bubble and I'm met with gentleness and kindness. 
So I heard from Debbie that she thought I had a bubble, and I have a couple of men uh, that I walk with, and I try to use them in our relationship as a form of protection, and I asked them that question, and one guy said, no, um, no, I don't think it's a bubble, but you have a force field. Another friend of mine that I tried to verify this, he said, um, I would call it a wall. Well, in the mouth of three witnesses, I had a bubble, I had a force field, I had a wall. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have a wall around yourself. And um, I would just encourage you to pay attention to that. Ask your wife, ask your girlfriend, ask your friends, what's it like to be on the other side of me regarding uh, a wall or a force field that you can be protecting yourself? And so I have used this last season to go and find out what's behind it. And it's been a beautiful and painful and profitable uh, journey. Uh, But it requires you and me to be curious, to be humble, to be willing uh, to face these important things that are behind those things that are impacting very, very important relationships. Think about that. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. As always, share it, like it, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.